Amen, amen. Hey, if you are standing at every campus, you can go ahead and take a seat. Welcome to Fuse, everybody. Hey, I don't know about y'all. Anybody else love the Word of God? Can I get an amen? I love the Bible. Uh, that's the um, jingle for the Bible, if you didn't know. Um, hey, well, welcome to Fuse. Listen, I'm not going to take up much of your time tonight. I've got something burning in my heart to share but if you can believe it, if you've been coming around Fuse for a while, uh, we are in the ninth week of this series of teaching called The Way. And I just need to see by a testimony of hands, has the Holy Spirit done anything in anybody's life through this series that we've had? Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I have loved this series. I've loved how we've just looked at for the past nine weeks what it means to follow Jesus. And if you're new uh, to Fuse and you don't know what a series is, um, it's basically where we just look at something in the Bible and talk about it for nine weeks. Matter of fact, every campus, every location, can we lift up a Fuse level family shout for anybody who is new at Fuse tonight? <laughs> Woo! Or if you remember, no? Yeah, there it is. All right. Well, hey, I've got a lot to cover tonight, but as I was asking the Holy Spirit, uh, who many of us got prayed to be filled more of uh, last week, and I can't wait to see the fruit of that. Um, but I was asking the Holy Spirit how to kind of wrap up this series of what it means to follow Jesus, because you hear that all the time, especially in the South. Uh, I felt the Holy Spirit say this, like, when I asked, how do you actually follow Jesus? And you can write this down if you have a journal, if you have a phone. Um, here's how you follow Jesus, quite simply, okay? Follow Jesus one yes at a time. Follow Jesus one yes at a time. And listen, we say yes to a lot of things in the week, right? Let me, um, let me see if I can identify with anybody across the campus because I'll see what you're a fan of based, if, based on if you say yes to some noise. Somebody says, hey, do you want to go to Chick-fil-A? We got some yeses. Uh, hey, do you want to go to Taco Bell? Wow. A lot more Taco Bell fans. No, thank you, because I appreciate my stomach. Um, or if, like, uh, hey, do you want extra cheese on your pizza? Yes, always. Uh, should we get popcorn when we go to the movies? Yes, always. Um, listen to me. If your little brother or sister, three years old, just looks up at you and goes, is Santa real? Just say yes. Do not crush that baby's heart, okay? You just say yes, right? We say yes to a lot of things in a day because Christmas is soon. Y'all can keep your Halloween. I'm ready for Christmas. Amen. Um, but we say yes to all, but those, those yeses don't really necessarily like shape a lot of history. No, the yes I'm talking about, following Jesus one yes at a time, uh, I believe if you want to write down a title for this message, I'm going to look at a yes that shapes history, okay? A yes that shapes history. Because every time you have an opportunity to say yes, you also have an opportunity to say no to something. So let me run some uh, history-shaping yeses by you, all right? Here's, I don't even have to say anything. History-shaping yes for some people. Can't wait for this one. 
right? Will you marry me? Whether you say yes or no. Y'all didn't even know what that was? Let me tell you, time out, everybody, shh, 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 shh. Let me tell y'all why y'all don't know what that is. Because y'all be blowing the opportunities for yes and no out of proportion with all these promposals and stuff. It's like, it's too much. It's too much. Cut it back. But if a person hits a knee, that usually is, will you marry me? Um, other history-shaping yeses for some of y'all shaped your whole history when your mom looked at your dad and said, hey, want to have another baby? Hey, you know, that shaped, that shaped your whole history. Um... Let's get to some more serious ones. Uh, hey, President Lincoln, do you have any thoughts on slavery? He had an opportunity for a yes or a no. Uh, hey, uh, Mr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, do you have any dreams? Yes or no. Uh, hey, Steve Jobs, do you have any ideas? Yes or no. With every yes, opportunity for a yes is an opportunity for a no. And I believe tonight I'm going to give you the same kind of opportunity for a history-shaping yes. But you need to know this. You will have the opportunity to say no. So we're going to jump into our story tonight. You've already read it uh, at every campus. And this is the story. And honestly, this story shaped a lot of my history uh, of what God has done to me. And it's a, a guy named Philip. Uh, who runs into an Ethiopian eunuch on a road, and on the outside looks like a normal story. But we're going to lean into the scripture and read it together. So first and foremost, we got to look at Acts 8.26, and I'm going to show you a series of opportunities that our boy Philip had to either say yes or no and how it shaped history. If you're ready to dig into the word of God, say yes. All right. So let's dig into this. In Acts 8, starting in verse 26, it says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go, everybody say go, toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. We're going to pause there, and the first opportunity that Philip had to say yes or no is point number one tonight, to go. To go. To follow Jesus one step at a time, he had an opportunity. It says an angel of God came to him and said, hey, I need you to go down this desert road. In parentheses beside this first point, I want you to write on purpose. So go on purpose. Because listen, there is a difference between going somewhere and being sent somewhere. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then wherever you go, you are sent on purpose. And you can know if you're sent on purpose or not based on just the tone of your voice. Okay? Prove it to you. The student section of your high school football. Okay? This is all y'all. Let's go! Right? That hurt. Some of y'all are like, no, it's not. Okay. Just go with the flow here. Okay? But the tone of your voice is like, let's go! Or whatever football. If you're a Clemson fan, if you're a South Carolina fan, if you're a whatever sport fan, right, you can tell by the tone of your voice based on how you say, let's go. Or if it's 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning and you're walking into school, you're like, man. Did I say Sunday? Y'all didn't hear in South Carolina they're starting school on Sunday now? Surprise! Just kidding. Monday morning, 7 a.m., 
you're walking into school saying, all right, let's go. If you're a believer, that should never be the tone of your voice going into school because you need to go into school on purpose. You're going on purpose. But my school's a desert place. So is the road Philip was walking down. You need to go on purpose. The boy you like asks you to prom. You say, okay, let's go. God convicts your heart and tells you to go say sorry to a friend. Fine, let's go. No, we go on purpose because there's a difference between just going somewhere and being sent somewhere. If you are a believer, you are sent with a purpose everywhere you go. Side note here, every time you have an opportunity to go, there will be something you have to leave behind. Philip had a successful ministry in Samaria. It says people were getting saved and baptized. He could have been like, nah, I got like a sermon at seven. I got to meet with my small group at Chick-fil-A at eight. Don't let your religion get in the way of you actually following Jesus. I love, I am a champion of Fuse groups. I'm a champion of coming to Fuse. But if the Holy Spirit of God, who many of you prayed to receive more of last week, tells you you need to miss Fuse because there's that friend who their dad's in the hospital and you need to go pray for them, you better go to that hospital and pray for your friend. Because you're going to have to leave something behind in order to go, to make a history shaping yes. But that was just one opportunity for yes and no. So let's see how Philip responds, continuing in the story in Acts 8, starting in verse 27. So, there it is. He rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace. Anybody named Candace in the crowd at any campus? Candace, you a queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Pause in the story. So not only did Philip have an opportunity to say yes to go, he also had an opportunity to say yes to go and join. Go and join is point number two. So you can't just go to school like, yeah, you get up in the morning, you're prayed up, you're fired up, you're going into your sports team, I'm going to go on purpose because I'm sent there, I'm going to let the tone of my voice reflect it. When you go, you need to go and join because Philip had an opportunity to say yes or no here to joining the Ethiopian eunuch up on his chariot. Because let me paint a picture for you. How many of us know that our world is seems dead set on dividing us based on our outward differences, right? This story, you have a Jewish man and an Ethiopian. Let me ask you, where is Ethiopia? (laughs) Y'all are like, Africa? Yes, okay, it's in Africa. Are these people the same color? No, a Jewish man and an Ethiopian, not the same color, okay? But they still went and joined together. They're different, uh, like, economic statuses, all right? Philip, he's a disciple. They don't have much money. Like, you remember the, the story of Jesus having to divide the loaves and the fish? Like, they ain't got money to even buy some tater tots. He doesn't have a lot of money. He's been walking on a desert road. He's probably wearing, uh, like, just a brown, like, sack kind of thing with a belt. And this Ethiopian eunuch was the head of the queen of Ethiopia's treasure. 
all right? This guy was decked out, swagged out, up on a chariot in the nicest clothes you can have. By the outward appearance, Philip, as soon as he heard the Holy Spirit say, go and join that chariot, could have put his head down and say, no, that wasn't, that wasn't the Lord. I'll just keep walking. God, what do you have for me on this desert road? It couldn't be to go and join that person because we don't look anything alike. Fuse, I want us, listen, lean in right now every campus because this is like a fire inside of my belly. Our ministry, I am asking God that our ministry would be a, a poster to the world of what it looks like for the family of God to not look anything like each other, but to love one another, to serve one another, because it is in our diversity. As long as we have the name of Jesus in common, we have enough in common. But you have to go out of your way to go and join people who don't look like you because it's uncomfortable for you to walk up and go and join a lunch table that you normally would. Listen, your fuse leaders do this. You know how terrifying it is to go to your school lunches? I walk in, I'm like, hey, what's up? And you act like you've never seen me before in your life. Thank you, Morgan. You're laughing because you know it's true. Fuse group, she just laughed, okay? You make her uncomfortable. Give her some welcome, okay? But we're trying to go and join in order to reflect to the, am I preaching to anybody? Is anybody at Fuse tonight? I know it's cloudy outside. I know it's raining. But God told us that one of our greatest displays of the gospel is that those who don't look like each other love each other, and it would be a testament to the world that God exists. If you're tired of the drama in your school, why don't you go and hang out with the most dramatic people and see if maybe the peace that is in you as you lay hands like we just did last week might be able to spread peace to your school. Thank you. This is good news. But you get an opportunity to go and join. So that's number two. We go, we have an opportunity to say yes to going. We have an opportunity to say yes to go and join. And third and lastly, we got to continue in the story in Acts 8, 30 through 35. So it says this. So Philip ran to him. You would look like a crazy person running to some school, some lunch tables at your school, but maybe somebody needs to see a little crazy. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so opens not his mouth. And his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. The third thing that we have an opportunity to say yes to, that you're gonna have an opportunity to actually practice tonight in response is this. Go and tell. Go and tell. 
So first, see the progression here. God's not asking you to just flat out, if you just started following Jesus, I got the beautiful opportunity to pray with a girl named Perry last week, to pray to receive Christ just last week. She joined a Fuse group, it was amazing. But in your beginning stages, God's not gonna say, now go evangelize to your whole school and I need you to walk on water and break bread and everyone in your school needs to meet Jesus. No, it's a progression of little yeses one at a time. First, to just go. Go to school on purpose. Go into your family on purpose. Number two, go and join. Be with people who don't look like you. Go outside of your friend group. And then third and lastly is go and tell. I love how because Philip was obedient with the first two yeses, God like put the last one on a T. He goes up and joins the Ethiopian and the Ethiopian is literally reading a prophetic word about the Messiah. And the Ethiopian looks at him and says, hey, man, do you know what this is talking about? And Philip's like, do I know who this is talking about? Yeah, please let me tell you who this is talking about. God literally did the hard work for him. All Philip had to do was obey. And you may be thinking this, um, what can I do as just a, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, and, and Teal Hannah, and West Side and Myrtle Beach, and whatever, write this down, every campus, every location. Obeying Jesus is never just a small thing. Obeying Jesus is never just a small thing, and I'm gonna tell you why. Philip thought, yeah, I'll go walk down this dirt road, but like, what's the big deal? But yeah, I'll say yes. Yeah, I'll go and join this guy who I don't really have much in common with, but what's, what's the big deal? And then he tells him the good news of Jesus, and here's why you don't know what your obedience and yes could do to shape the history of not just the people around you, but the trajectory of the future. Literally what happens is what many theologians believe is this Ethiopian eunuch who was in high standing with the queen, member Candace, goes back, he gets converted, takes it back to her, and that's how the whole gospel spread into Africa because of Philip's progressive yeses to Jesus Christ. You just gotta follow Jesus one yes at a time. Because look at the end of it in Acts 8, 36 through 38. Life change, miraculous life change happens. And as they were going Along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When life change happens because of your obedience, I promise you, it'll be the greatest addiction you ever have. When you fall in love, what it means to operate in obedience, you no longer feel like you just have to work it up because it's what good Christians do. I hope this week, if you came forward and prayed for a greater filling of the Holy Spirit, you know what the Holy Spirit's not gonna like try to uh, force you to do? You should obey God. No, he's gonna lead you to beautiful opportunities to partner with him and what it means for heaven to come to earth. It was 10 years ago, why am I starting to get emotional? Because I'm old. It was 10 years ago in this room when I started serving at Fuse. And I'm getting emotional because this works. And we come in here every week and we beg God to move in your heart to understand the beauty of the gospel. 
I love the fun. I love the fun of fuse. I love the worship of fuse. But what we do is beg God to, we're going to go, we're going to join you. That's why we have fuse groups. And we're going to tell you the good news so that your life can change. But 10 years ago, I just started serving at Fuse. And this girl who um, I didn't really know, like we had kind of connected some. And uh, I see her outside of Fuse, like kind of crying. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, maybe you should go. And I'm like, go home? (laughs) No, you need to go. So I walk out there and her Fuse group leader who was sitting with her says, hey, can you come over here? Literally this exact story that Philip is. And so I go and join them. And then I sit down with her and I hear her start to explain just the turmoil that's going on in her life. She's grown up in church. She's heard the story of the gospel many times, just like this eunuch was literally reading the prophecy of Jesus Christ. And she's like, I still don't feel like I understand. And y'all, I'm like, my heart is like, because I know what I'm supposed to do. And God says, tell her your story. Because I didn't know scripture at this point. Like I was a little sweet baby Christian at the ripe age of 21. And so I just kind of stumble through my story with her. And it's like, literally y'all, you'll understand it when it happens, but these scales fall away from her eyes. Her face literally changes and lights up and says, I feel like I'm actually understanding the gospel for the first time. And right there in the courtyard in Anderson, she prays to receive Christ and her whole life shifted from there. And from that moment, I promise you, I said, Jesus, I don't fully know what this means yet, but that, I will do that for the rest of my life. You don't have to convince me of it. I understand that obedience is no small thing like I am in. And I could now tell you dozens of people that God has allowed me to to lead them to salvation and it has never gotten old. Fuse, listen, especially in the South, especially in our church, because God has been so gracious to overwhelm us with the fruit of salvation. If we stop celebrating the fruit, God will stop giving it. Every story, every time your friend gets baptized, every time you're bold enough to share your story, every time one of your friends gets saved, every time you confess a sin, your fuse group and everyone around you better lose their minds because darkness lost, heaven expanded, and the kingdom is winning. This is what's happening. This is the reality. So here's what we're going to do tonight because this is the truth of Revelation 12, 11. Me just sharing my story with this high school girl, her life changing, is proof that Revelation 12, 11 is real. Y'all look at this. And they, us, at Fuse, they're going to conquer the enemy by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the word of their testimony, of their story. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Your story has great power to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's the question you need to write down and wrestle with tonight. What if, Fuse, what if there's a history-shaping story on the other side of my yes? Philip did not know that the gospel was going to spread into Africa because he just said yes to going, to going and joining, to going and telling. But I bet he got to heaven and there were literally thousands of people from Africa and beyond who came to him and said, thank you for your obedience. My whole life and family changed because of it. 
You don't have to know the outcome. God knows. And if you know him, then you know enough. Because my story spreads the story of the gospel. My story spreads the story of the gospel. My story spreads the story of the gospel. And I want to like nip this in the bud right now because this is a lie from the enemy and you all need to hear it. If you think like, oh, my story is not that interesting. Like it's not, it's really not that big of a deal. I grew up in church. I got saved when I was four. That's a lie from the enemy that he wants you to think your story is small so you'll keep it quiet because he knows it's a powerful weapon in your hand to just lop his head off. There is no small story of salvation. You got saved at four, you better, you better just preach that thing, girl, because it has power to save. And I believe this week, here's the challenge, all of us, me included, we're gonna share our story with at least one person this week. And listen, when I say one person, I don't mean your friend who sits beside you at Fuse every week. No, y'all are gonna hold each other accountable to go and share your story with someone else that week. Okay, I see some of y'all nudging each other. Great. It gets around the next Tuesday, you're like, hey, have you told anyone yet? No, have you? No, great. We're going to 7-Eleven, we're gonna get a Red Bull, and we're gonna tell the cashiers our story, all right? Because if I run into you next week, I'm gonna ask. You ask me too. But we want you to practice this. So you should have gotten a note card at every campus. Hopefully you know what a note card looks like. Go ahead and get that out. And we're all gonna use an actual pen, an actual paper, and we're gonna write our stories down. And listen, you'll have, you'll have plenty of time to do this, so everybody just attention back here for a second. You'll have plenty of time to do this. But if you like have never really thought about your story or how to write it, um, I want you to look at these three questions really quick. And I'm gonna walk through these slow. What was your life like before you met Jesus? Some of y'all need to really think about this because I did not ask you, what was your life like before you came to Fuse? I didn't ask you what was your life like before you started going to church. I didn't ask you what your life was like before you started reading your Bible. I asked you, have you ever genuinely given your life to Jesus Christ? Said, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the only savior and I'm giving my life to you. Coming to church does not equal salvation. My parents are saved, salvation is not hereditary. Have you made a decision to give your life to Jesus? If so, how did you mean it? Were you four and you like awkwardly asked your mom? For me, I was 19 years old at Anderson University and God just showed up. And then thirdly, what is your life like now that you know Jesus? And you just answer these questions. And this third one, I wanna point out, many of us in the room, you can take those questions down. We're gonna put them back up um, when you actually write this down. But for that third question, what is your life like now that you know Jesus? If you have genuinely met Jesus, you even got baptized at New Spring, but your life still looks the same. I'm not saying question your salvation. I'm saying that maybe you submitted to the salvation of Jesus Christ, but you did not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
You don't get to say yes to salvation and then go live however you want. If you're like, I met Jesus and life has gotten worse, it's because now you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and conviction is happening and you can't just live the same way because it doesn't feel the same. God is calling you back to the way of following him. So we're just gonna do this now. And I love my friend Ryan from Clemson as he was laying those on seats. He said, I'm passing out testimonies tonight. And across the state, there's gonna be hundreds of weapons in hands as we go across the state and we share our stories with our moms, our dads, our friends, and the cashier at 7-Eleven. Can we do this together, Fuse, me included? So I'm gonna pray for us. Then we're just gonna spend some moments in quiet and in silence. For you, we're gonna put those questions back up there and don't just like start writing away. Pause, look at the questions and ask the Holy Spirit to help you shape this story. So let's pray together. Father, right now I pray for holy encounters. God, I pray for those who have been coming to Fuse for a long time that tonight would actually be a moment where they have a genuine encounter with you and it, it is a story that they tell for the next 30 years of how God met them and reshaped their story. I pray that even these stories would be honest. So even if someone is angry right now and they don't really wanna submit to you and their story right now is I am angry and yes, I met Jesus one time, but I don't know how to follow him now. And God, even in that moment, you would answer them. And I pray that this week, just like Philip, for God-ordained encounters of celebrations of students sharing their stories and people receive salvation. Because through our word of the testimony, the enemy loses and the kingdom wins. So I'm just declaring victory over these students, boldness over these students, power over these students. Find us trustworthy, God, to have these conversations. It's in Jesus' name.